Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is November 3rd. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. We're here once again. I should say I'm here. It's just me this week for our weekly AEW Dynamite coverage. Joey, unfortunately, his work schedule uh, prevented him from being on the show tonight. So uh, we'll catch up with Joey next week for full gear. Um, next week we'll have a review show out for Dynamite, and we'll also be having a prediction show for Full Gear and a review for Full Gear. So keep your eyes peeled. Joey will return for that next week, but unfortunately you're stuck with me tonight, which is awful because I absolutely hate doing these solo shows, but we will power through and we will get this done no matter how long it takes. So that being said, if you're new here, I'm Pat. Uh, we cover AEW every week talking about Dynamite. Uh, on Wednesdays or Thursday mornings, depending on when the episodes come out. Uh, we also cover Impact Wrestling every Thursday or every weekend, uh, again, depending on people's schedules, but that's with Ryan and Angelo. We also talk about New Japan on the podcast, and every week we cover Raw uh, with his, uh, me and Joey. Once again, we did review that this past Monday. So if any of that sounds appealing to you and you're new here, please consider hitting the subscribe button. You'd be helping us out, and you'd be getting a bunch of free wrestling reviews and other content. We also talk about movies. Raw, we uh, on our Raw review, we opened our podcast with a 15-minute discussion about Dune and Last Night in Soho. So if you're into movies and wrestling, it's the podcast for you, because that's what we're into as well. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter at Deep Six Wrestling without the G. There's no G at the end, just Deep Six Wrestling. Um, we're pretty active on Twitter, uh, so follow us over there. We also have a YouTube channel where we're less active, but content does still get posted there every once in a while. So you can follow us over on YouTube. Uh, the links to our YouTube channel, to our Twitter, and to basically everywhere where the podcast streams, which is Anchor, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere the podcast streams, pretty much you can find our podcast. So uh, if you need to find specific links, you can go to the episode description and they will be there for you no questions asked all right so let's we're not going to talk about dynamite right away because you know it's a podcast should be a little bit of a you know a little bit of a, a palette i guess not a palette what am i trying to say an appetizer uh before we before we do everything so we're going to talk about news there was uh quite a few news updates in the past couple days so we'll talk about that um I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think so. I think we're I think we're just going to stick with news. If anything comes up before I get into dynamite, then that'll change. Uh, the big one, the big one came last night or this morning, depending on where you live. I guess depending on the time zones that you're in. Uh, but Tony Khan took to Twitter late last night and announced. Uh, he put out a series of tweets uh, stating. Um, that John Moxley has allowed me to share with you uh, that he is entering an inpatient alcohol treatment program. Uh, John is a beloved member of the AEW family. We all stand with him and Renee and all of his family and friends as he shifts his focus to recovery. He's making a very brave choice to get help, and we're embracing his choice and supporting him however we can. I'm proud to call John a friend, and like many of you, I'm also a fan of Mox and look forward to a time in the future when he is eventually ready to return to the ring. Um... So this came out of nowhere um, for a lot of people, um, and there's just been an outpouring of support across basically the entire wrestling world um, for, for Moxley doing this. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of want to echo that, uh, you know, happy that he's 
taking the steps to fix his issues. Um, and, you know, I, I, the guy just had his kid. Um, he has Renee. He had his book come out. He's wrestling pretty often. It obviously can be a lot. So um, I think everybody's just happy that he did the healthy thing and is going to get help. And as we'll talk about later on, um, when CM Punk brought it up on the show, uh, there, there's never an issue with asking for help. So if you're ever in a position where you need to get help, asking for it is the right thing to do, as scary as it may seem. Um, but that is obviously what the the big piece of news to talk about, um, meaning that John Moxley will be off of AEW television for the foreseeable future, uh, which we felt tonight, as he was supposed to be facing Orange Cassidy in the AEW Eliminator Tournament. Um, Tony went on Wrestling Observer Live earlier today to address that and said that they would announce an opponent during the show. They did. Um, it would be Miro is who took his spot. But, yeah, so no more Moxley on AEW for a while, it seems. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, eventually when they bring him back, how they bring him back. Um as Moxley was pretty clearly heading for, like, a heel turn. I don't think you'll see him turn heel when he comes back. Um, I feel like it'd just be a bit weird. So, but it remains to be seen. Um, I, again, I don't have any uh, any knowledge on how long this will be. Uh, could be weeks, could be months. Uh, who knows? Um, but... Again, the important thing is that Moxley gets healthy, um, he gets happy, and that he can return when the time is right, when he's safe, and when it's when it's right for him. So, um, until then, Moxley will be missed. I don't think anybody will be happy that he's gone. He's a fan favorite. Everybody's loved him basically his entire career, um, whether it was pre-WWE, uh, FCW, main roster with the shield or breaking up with the shield or, or anything and then obviously leaving wwe and going to AEW. he's always been somebody that the fans have always been behind um and i don't see that changing so uh anywho that's the that's the big downer to open the news we'll talk about less downery stuff moving forward uh so earlier today it was reported from fightful uh, there are two contract updates uh, in the world of wrestling. Uh, so Fightful's reporting that Kyle O'Reilly's contract is up in December and that his time in WWE may be coming to an end. This is exciting for me, personally, because for years I've been an avid Kyle O'Reilly fan since um, like 2015, 2016, I guess. Um, back when I uh, first got into Ring of Honor, so yeah, 2015. Um... I love the guy, uh, and for for so long, obviously, Undisputed Era was a great faction in NXT during its heyday, and Kyle O'Reilly was always just like, like he just looked poised that he was going to be ready as like the breakout star from that group, aside from Cole, obviously, um, and now we're living in the world of NXT 2.0, uh, let's keep in mind, before this happened... Adam Cole was leaving NXT to head to AEW, and he extended his contract with NXT so he could finish his feud with O'Reilly and put O'Reilly over, to which NXT has followed it up by doing nothing but shooting Kyle O'Reilly down the card and have now paired him with Von Wagner, who, from what I've seen, is dreadful. I'm sure Von Wagner's a lovely person, but he's the charisma of a wall. 
and he is just he's nothing. It's so sad to see what Kyle's become. The whole cool Kyle thing they did to him earlier this year just really threw me for a loop. Um, I'm over it. I would love Kyle to be free. We have Bobby Fish. We have Adam Cole. Uh, and and Tony obviously got the rights to the Red Dragon theme song from Ring of Honor, so put Kyle and Fish together for a bit and let them have some crazy tag matches with FTR, the Lucha Brothers, the Bucks. Uh, it's a proud and powerful. Like, come, I, I do not need Kyle O'Reilly in the WWE system. If that man stays and goes to main roster, he's dead as dirt. I'm sorry. It's like, I love the guy, but he's not going to do anything on main roster. Elsewhere, Juice Robinson's contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling is apparently set to expire in early 2022, and Fightful is reporting that he's expected uh, expected to get offers from multiple different promotions. Uh, Juice is an interesting one because he obviously um, was in NXT for a bit, and he left in 2015. And uh, after that, he, he retired from wrestling before eventually finding his way to Japan and joining the New Japan Dojo and basically restarting his career, having to relearn wrestling an entirely different style, and then making a name for himself in New Japan. Um, He's now engaged to Tony Storm, who is in WWE on SmackDown. And, I mean, it's not like Juice is getting any younger. I think he's still relatively young. I think he's like 34. He's like 32, 34. Um... And, and again, his, his wife, soon-to-be wife, is going to be there. Um, so, obviously, I think the, the question is, would he go back to the WWE? If that's the case, I could not see him succeeding in, in NXT whatsoever because of what that show has become. And main roster, it's not like, like, this isn't a knock on Juice, but it's not like he's, like, this, this like, huge name that's going to, like, light the, like, wrestling fans online over uh, if he signs. So I, I really don't know. I, I If he's leaving New Japan, I feel like Juice would make the most sense of signing with Impact. To be honest, I feel like I feel like that'd be his best fit. If I'm if I'm just being straight up, I don't really see him doing anything of note in AEW. I guess. Um, so I I would say Impact is the best long term play for him personally. But you never know. Um, I, I guess I guess we'll wait and see. But. Um, yeah, so Juice and Kyle O'Reilly are the two names to look out for. Also, Johnny Gargano, I believe, is still set to have his contract come up sometime soon. I Although, I think Gargano stays in NXT, personally. We got more information. This is actually... This kind of slid under the radar with the whole um, Moxley news and then the announcement of tonight's AEW card, but... Uh, Also, while on Observer Live, Tony Khan was asked by Brian Alvarez about the rumors that the relationship between AEW and Impact Wrestling um, was dead. Uh, This was started by Ringside News right before Bound for Glory and gained traction. Um, Tony Khan then clarified, stating that the relationship was not over, but that neither company had any plans together for the foreseeable future, going on to say that he loves Impact and will always be open to working together again if needed. So, uh, for those of you who wanted to grab your torches and say that this did nothing for either company, that AEW fucked over Impact, or, or anything, I, I don't think that's the case. We, we had a very heated discussion about this <laughs> during the uh, Bound for Glory review between me, Joey, and Ryan. So, if you want to go back and listen to our Bound for Glory review, you can hear about it there. But, um, yeah, I... Uh, 
I don't know what exactly you would do for the future. I, if there ever is like a big cross promotional show, I think Impact would they deserve a spot on it. So um, yeah, I still think we talked about it earlier today in our in our Deep Six group chat. But um, for me personally, the only knockouts that I would want to see um, show up for like the women's division in AEW would be. Um, I said, I said Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan Grace. Those would be the two that I think would make the most sense and would uh, would be a good fit for like a crossover thing. And obviously it'd be down to see uh, Moose or Josh Alexander in AEW um, for a couple matches because those guys are both great. And one last thing for Impact. Uh, PWI is the people who reported this, that there were some Impact Wrestling roster changes yesterday. Um... So five people have been removed from the Impact Wrestling uh, roster on their website, and that is No Way, which is No Way Jose, uh, TJP, who it appears is starting to do more and more work with New Japan, obviously being uh, introduced as another member of Will Ospreay's United Empire, Taylor Wilde, who's interesting as they brought her back and seemed to set her up for like a, a big push, and then it just never came to fruition. Uh, P.D. Williams, who it was reported, had a producer tryout uh, with WWE, um, whatever that exactly means. I, I guess you have to try out to be a... Pro- I don't know. I don't understand WWE system. Not going to act like I do, but um, sure. And uh, one that I don't think many people will be shocked at seeing, but Tommy Dreamer is now gone as well. Uh, so yeah. Some, uh, some interesting bits of news from all over the place. Take all of it as you will, um, but that's that. Moving right along, uh, AW Dark, I did watch once again two weeks in a row. I did not watch Dark Elevation, I'm sorry. Although I did see um, FTR versus Curls and Waves, uh, so I, I will say that. And great finish on that. AW Dark, however, um, I'm just going to run through the match card here and talk about anything that feels like it needs to be talked about. Uh, Santana and Ortiz defeated Joe Coleman and Idris Abraham. Uh, Nyla Rose defeated Viva Van. Uh, always cool to see Viva Van show up. Um, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson defeated Eli Knight and Malik. I, I, I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. B-O-S-E-D-E. Uh, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson are actually a tag team who I, I'm liking seeing together from any time I've seen them, you know, together. Um... They're still, again, they're, I feel like they're both really young. I know Lee is. I forget how old Brock is. Um, but, yeah, they're coming together pretty well. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to be a team that means anything much, but you never know. Again, the whole role here is, like, I'm, I'm not supposed to judge these guys as, like, comparing them to the Lucha Brothers because this is very clearly two young guys who are just being put on dark to, like, get reps and practice and get better. Um so we'll see. Again, in like a year or two's time, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson could be a huge tag team. Who knows? Daniel Garcia defeated Ricky Shane Page. I love me some Daniel Garcia. He is fantastic, and I'll always uh, I'll always enjoy seeing him. And he is one of my favorite themes in AEW. Uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds defeated Sean Carr and Marcus Cross. Um, I really wish we got to see Silver and Reynolds tag more. I think they're very underrated as a tag team. Uh, Grayson and Uno are definitely the better team in dark order in terms of match quality but silver and reynolds are like low-key really underrated um i think they're very fun to watch and like yes they're both very funny people but like their wrestling is actually really good i wish we got to see more of it on dynamite or rampage but 
um you know hopefully i really hope more people start watching dark it's a very easy show it's always like an hour an hour and a half at most um and these matches a lot of them are on the shorter side but there's a lot of really fun stuff on these shows and you get commentary from taz and excalibur and it's always great (laughs) um we had the acclaimed versus uh, ishmael vaughn and dante smiley the acclaimed picked up the win there um uh, the Bunny defeated Santana Garrett, and this was the, one of the more interesting ones for me because um, for a lot of this show, a lot of it was just like your AEW roster getting entrances, and whoever they were facing was just no entrance. They were just introduced in the ring. Santana Garrett actually got like a, a full entrance here, like a whole theme song and, and like Titantron and everything, so um, take that as you will. I don't know if this means that Santana Garrett's going to get signed, but I, that was something notable to me. Uh, 2.0 defeated Bison XL and Toa Leona. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see <laughs> the next time that 2.0 and Daniel Garcia get uh, shot up the card for a random main event match because it's so weird to like think that that has happened multiple times. Um, but they're always great whenever they do. Uh, Red Velvet defeated Show Lance Royal, and there was uh, opera singing here. I have never heard of this person. Uh, but she does opera singing, um, and Taz and the crowd at the Universal taping were doing it with her. It was uh, it was it was something. Um, Bobby Fish defeated Ryzen. I honestly forgot that Ryzen was a thing. Like he was such like a main staple of like being the elite for so long, like during the pandemic era at Daly's Place. Um, so it's nice to see that he was brought back for for Dark um, here. Like I like I don't see Ryzen as a person who's gonna get signed to AEW, but him just you know getting a payday here and getting to work dark, pretty cool. Um, and then your two big matches of the night were Tony Nice uh, versus Fuego del Sol. Tony Nice, man, this guy just came out here and said fuck it, I'm just gonna like did the most cruiserweight shit you could imagine. And Tony Tony Nice has always been really good in the ring. Um, it, like when he was in the cruiserweight division. My man was great. He just doesn't have the best charisma, and that's always going to hold him back. But, like, he is so fluid, so swift in the ring. Everything he does looks crisp. Uh, I'm a big Tony Nese fan, um, and it was cool to see him here. And I I am assuming that Tony Nese will be signed if he's not already, to be honest. Um, But I thought him and Fuego had a really fun, fast-paced match. The crowd, again, small crowds at the Universal taping, but... Crowd loves Fuego, um, and I think that translates well to TV because anytime we've seen Fuego on TV, he also gets a reaction. Pretty cool stuff. But uh, Tony Nese picked up the win, and in the main event, Pac defeated Tyre Ruas, um, who, again, is another interesting figure. Uh, again, Pac's great. I don't think Pac is capable of having bad matches, but this Tiger Ruas guy um, was in WWE. Um, I, think it was, I think it was Arturo Ruas was his name there. I don't remember if there was a name change, but I know he went by that at one point. Um, he was called up to Raw along with Dabacado. Dabacado? Dabacado, who is now Commander Aziz. But they were called up to Raw um, after, like, Raw Underground ended. And neither of them ever, like, I don't think either of them had a match on TV. <laughs> and then eventually uh, the latter of them became Commander Aziz, and then Ross was let go. But, um... Just interesting stuff. Anywho, I, uh, his uh, his appearance last week on Dark was the first time I watched Dark for in like forever. Just came out and murdered a guy with like a just like a kick or an e strike. Um, so I, I like the guy. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing him more. I hope he I hope he gets to work more of these Dark shows. 
Um, and if he continues to be entertaining, then sign the guy. Sure, why not? You need you need future prospects, and that's what Dark is. You know, I'll uh, you'll always see like these big signings and people saying, "Oh, your roster's too bloated." But they uh, they've done a really good job at carving out a bunch of like young signings, like Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty. Um, those are the two like recent ones, um, and then obviously you already have like Jungle Boy, MJF, Darby. So you have plenty of youth on this roster that I feel like really doesn't get enough credit. But um, yeah, so that was dark. So uh, from here on, I guess we'll move on into Dynamite from November the third, twenty twenty one. Dynamite kicked off with Alan Angels versus Kenny Omega, which was a rematch of the now infamous match uh from last year during the early days of the pandemic where kenny omega faced off against alan angels pre him signing with AEW, to which uh there was a lot of twitter uproar from certain people saying that kenny omega's career had been ruined by alan angels kicking out of a v trigger a move that is not kenny's finisher (laughs) um and uh for those of you who don't know who may have been behind this you can uh Go to one Mr. Ryan Satin for that, who was playing the victim on Twitter today, saying that fans were being toxic by targeting him uh, over this match, despite him being the one who brought this on uh, by, again, claiming that Kenny Omega's career was ruined because Alan Angels kicked out of a V-trigger last spring. Anyway, there was no entrance for Alan Angels. He was just in the ring. Omega came out and was accompanied only by uh, Nakazawa. Um, As he was making his way down the ring, Excalibur took over on commentary and made the note that everyone in AEW as a company and individuals have their thoughts and prayers with Moxley. Um, And that was it from commentary on this matter. Um, Angels, as the match started, once the bell rang, came right out of the gate with a dropkick and began beating Kenny down in the corner. Um... Omega came back with a kick and a series of chops against the ropes before holding Angel's head over the ropes and just, like, not choking him, but just holding his head, like, right up against the ropes. Uh, Alan cut off Omega with a leg lariat before Kenny poked him in the eyes, uh, went for the Snapdragon, um, and Angel's countered out of it before Omega landed a guitar crusher and then a punt. Uh, Omega went for the V-Trigger, Angel's countered it and got a two-count with a roll-up. Uh, following that up with a suicide dive to Omega on the floor, Angels climbed up the turnbuckle and hit a moonsault to the floor, uh, then followed by a, cro- a diving cross body back in the ring for a two count. He went for a frog splash. Kenny got the knees up, um, which looked really good. Um, There's a buckle bomb from Kenny, uh, followed with a sit-out spine buster for a two count. That looked like a really nice combination. Uh, we got dueling chance of let's go Angels and let's go Kenny. Uh, so pretty cool here. Um... This is a match that just got announced today. Like, there's no build for this or anything, and the, and the crowd was into it. Um, in the center of the ring, they just started trading blows. Angels won uh, their little exchange. Omega eventually got him up for the one-winged Angel. Um, Alan escaped, then rolled him up. Kenny kicked out and nailed him with the V-trigger. Angel sells it like he died. Um, Kenny covers him and a two-count, and then Kenny hits another V-trigger, followed by another V-trigger, and then pins him... One, two, three. So it took three V-triggers to put down Alan Angels tonight. Um, so, yeah. After this, uh, Kenny got on the mic, and he says, I never had the chance to thank you. You've ru- <laughs> you ruined my career. But 
from that, you gave yourself a great opportunity, and Kenny has the power to giveth and to taketh away. And then Kenny demands a chair from Nakazawa. Omega puts him up for the one-winged angel right onto the chair, but before he can drop him, Hangman's music hits, and he comes down to make the save. He takes out Nakazawa on the ramp. Um, Angels gets the chair away from Omega, and as he's doing the, uh, doing this, Hangman flips over the rope for the buckshot lariat. Kenny ducks and slides out. Uh, Paige grabs the title and says that Kenny forgot something, but he'll be the nice guy today. He'll give Kenny the belt back, but he better keep it safe because he only has it for 10 more days. I thought this was a really solid opener here for, again, a match that had pretty much no build aside from the fact that it was Kenny versus a member of the Dark Order. Um, we had some great callbacks to the match uh, from last year, as well as Kenny obviously saying that his career was ruined. Uh, brilliant. Um, though there's some genuinely good near falls towards the end. Obviously, I don't think Alan Angels was ever going to win this match, but they did nice to make me bite. Um, and it was a nice showcase for Angels, who's somebody who really doesn't feel like he ever gets the spotlight, and tonight he did. And it proved once again how hot the, the Hangman Page versus Omega feud still feels. So, really good stuff there. Um, so, so really no complaints for me on the opener. So it was a pretty fun time. We followed this up with a pre-taped promo from Malachi Black. Um, and he says that Tony's decision to bar Malachi from ringside is not going to change the outcome of the match. And he notes that when Caesar was assassinated, it wasn't just one betrayal. Um, so this had me believing that we were going to be set up for some type of surprise heel turn during, um, this, or that somebody would be, somebody from Cody's, uh, group would be aligning with Andrade and Black. That did not happen, but I guess it, it could still, um, but people just love making their, their Caesar references to Cody. First Jake and now, uh, now Malachi Black. Um... This is also when we got the announcement that Mira would be replacing John Moxley for the semi-final match that was the main event tonight against Orange Cassidy. CM, Pro uh, CM Punk, not CM Prunk, CM Punk came out for a promo. Uh, obviously monster reaction here for Punk. And he comes out and says that he wants to hear Moxley's name chanted uh, because he has a very serious and legitimate reason for not being there today. The crowd obliges. Punk notes that he has a history with Mox, but that they're, uh, they've never been the best of friends. He heard the news late last night during his travel to the arena, uh, saying that nobody should criticize Moxie for what he's doing. Rather, he is damn proud of him, and that if anybody in the arena or anyone at home is at a place where they need help, reach out and ask for it. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. He transitions uh, into going after Eddie Kingston, saying he's the second guy who isn't here tonight, saying that it is a bit embarrassing that he isn't here tonight after interrupting Punk last week on Rampage. Punk has no beef with him, and he would fight him, but Eddie isn't here. Punk states that full gear is an option, but that St. Louis is just up the road, and that Punk will be there to accept Eddie's apology on Friday. He tells the crowd to boo Eddie Kingston, because if Kingston had shown up tonight, he could have settled their differences there, and Punk could have taken Moxley's spot in the Eliminator Tournament, and so Kingston is responsible for uh, taking away Punk versus Orange Cassidy, and potentially CM Punk versus Brian Danielson. Um, I thought this was really great stuff from Punk as expected, and a nice way for them to acknowledge the situation with Moxley. Um, Punk positioned Eddie as a heel here for their program uh, by by obviously blaming Eddie for taking away the potential matchups for Punk versus Orange Cassidy and Punk versus Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, excuse me. Um, so I thought that was a, an advantageous way to to use this uh, Eddie Kingston thing, um, and I'll be interested to see if we're gonna get. Punk versus Kingston on Dynamite next week, or if they're going to save it for the pay-per-view. Personally, I'd save it for the pay-per-view because 
you don't not put Punk on the pay-per-view, and I don't think you can get him a better opponent in like a week's time. So we'll see, but that's where we're at right now. This was followed up by a promo from Miro uh, talking about how God is looking down on him. This is, Miro is basically turned on God at this point, um, saying that Miro needs to prove himself to her, which I, I assume he's meaning his wife, CJ Perry. Um, but he says that, that God basically took everything away from him and that he's fighting for it once again. He says it is his time and that he needs to be loved. He will be loved. And he's coming for the AEW World Championship. I thought they pivoted really well. Uh, obviously, Miro was not the plan here. Uh, Moxley was supposed to be in this match, but I thought Miro fit right in here. Um, and I'm, I'm now at a point where, well, we'll talk about it at the end, but I'm at a point where I, I don't know who you should really have win the final, but we'll talk about it. After this, we had uh, a big segment here where the Super Click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks are backstage and uh, saying that they are tough guys and nobody can step to them. Christian and Luchasaurus then show up and a brawl ensues. Alex Marvez is just standing there awkwardly with Brandon Cutler crawling on boxes. Uh, this spills out into the arena. Cutler is still dressed for the Squid Game. Um, and then the, uh, the Super Click end up getting the numbers advantage back here before Jungle Boy sprints out from backstage and just leaps off the stage for a big dive. That was crazy. Um... Matt Jackson then climbs onto the stage. Christian catches him with a spear and then gets him up for the kill switch and walks into a super kick. Jungle Boy hits a like is sprinting down the ramp and hits a Hurricane Rana. That looked <laughs> Jungle Boy was just on fire here. Um, he nails Matt Jackson with that and then Luke, Luchasaurus choke slams Nick onto Adam Cole. Uh, Jungle Boy locks in Cole uh, with the snare trap and he passes out. Cage then comes out with two chairs. And he hits the concerto on Cole before the crowd starts chanting one more time. The crowd just turned into absolutely sadistic monsters here wanting to see Adam Cole's career end. Um, listen, I don't know what the plan is for Full Gear. I, as much as I would love another trios match, that doesn't feel like a pay-per-view match at all. Um, oh man, I feel like the best bet is probably... If you do Christian versus Adam Cole at the pay-per-view, and maybe Bucks versus Lu- Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy, but even like Luchasaurus, uh, Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks, I feel like we've done that a bunch right now. I feel like we don't need it. Um, but Cole versus Christian, I'd be down for, or Cole versus Jungle Boy again. I don't know. I really, I really don't know what to do for for the Bucks and everyone else. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next week. But um, yeah, I thought this was a fun segment. It was just there was a lot going on, and hearing a crowd chant one more time for um, the concerto on Cole was pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this led into a pre-tape promo from uh, Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho hyping up their match in the TBS tournament, and then we go to our. Uh, our triple a tag team title match here with ftr defending against samurai del sol the former Callisto, and aerostar who uh i have not heard or seen of uh since lucha underground now i was excited for this because i liked aerostar in lucha underground and i liked Callisto. and i will say this samurai del sol looked fucking fantastic in this match he carried aerostar aerostar looked like he was so fucking lost he was like everything with him was mistimed 
he was botching. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with Aerostar, but this was just not his night. Uh, it was still like a fun like match here, but, but like there were so many spots that got fucked up because of this guy. Uh, anywho, Cash and Samurai start. Um, Del Sol takes control. Uh, we get him walking on his hands and doing a Hurricane Rana. Um, there was like a botched tag here, I think, where Aerostar like went to tag in like Samurai Del Sol, but both of them were in the ring, and like Samurai Del Sol would like tell Aerostar that he didn't tag him in. And man, I have no idea what the fuck was going on here. Um, Aerostar hit a cool corkscrew dive off the turnbuckles. There was a bunch of crazy dives to the floor. They did the Lucha chant. Um, FTR took control back. Aerostar went for, like, a double Hurricane Rana. FTR caught him with a double powerbomb. Um, Tully got involved during picture-in-picture. Um, Aerostar did hit a really cool move here where, um, he, like, did a big dive off the top turnbuckle, the Dax on the floor, and then came back up, climbed the turnbuckle, and hit, like, a diving reverse headbutt to Cash. Um, and that was, that was my high, high point of the match for him. Um, Samurai got tagged in and hit just a flurry of offense on both of FTR. Um, and then this was the big spot that everybody's going to clown, and honestly, rightfully so. Uh, Samurai... T- <laughs> went for a split he did a split and he it was supposed to be he does the split and aerostar dives over him aerostar had like had not even climbed the top turnbuckle at this point and the camera just shows him climbing and fcr is just like pointing at samurai soul and they're still waiting for him oh man it just looks so bad um there's a couple roll-ups um that got big near falls um we hit uh cash and samurai were in the ring and he managed to hit, like, this, I don't know what the his non-WWE finish is called for, but the Salida del Sol, um, he hit it off of Dax, and then uh, Aerostar hit a springboard dive onto Cash for a two-count. There was a brain buster on the outside to del Sol, and Cash then rolled up Aerostar and held the ropes to retain. Um, it was still, again, it was still a fun match. Aerostar just seemed like he was not, like, out of the loop completely on this one. Um, but FTR looked really great, as always, and I really... I'd really like to see Samurai Del Sol back in AEW. I thought he was great. So, props to that, but <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I don't know what Aerostar was doing. Uh, we saw a backstage segment from last week where Sheeta was getting her trophy handed to her by uh, Tony. Uh, Nyla and Vicky show up and interrupt uh, to put her down, saying that Nyla is her roadblock and questioning how long it took Sheeta to get to 50 wins when I don't think Nyla has 50 wins, so I don't really know why she was making fun of uh, Sheeta taking so long to get there. But, um, yeah, she says it's going to be an easy night when they meet because, obviously, they're going to play up Sheeta's leg injury. So, uh, yeah, that's that. All right, now we get another big non-wrestling segment here. The Inner Circle comes out. Jericho's on the mic, and he puts Sammy over for retaining his title against Ethan Page last week and earning the right for the uh, inner circle to choose who from American Top Team gets added to the match, which is a uh, Minneapolis street fight. American Top Team and the Men of the Year come out. Lambert uh, says that there is no chance tonight, as the crowd then chants dipshit at him, and he says, I'm not that fat. Um, Lambert states, this is a this was their plant for this, he states at the beginning of the segment that he is the number one American top team member since he created the group. Um, and he hands Aubrey the contract to send it down to the ring, which he's written down every member of American top team that they can choose of. Uh, and then he goes over them, saying that the main course is the men of the year, but they already know that. 
And their options are Andre Orlowski, uh, Junior Dos Santos, Dalton Rasta, or Austin Vanderford. And says that it is time for the inner circle to pick their poison. I will say this. This segment did go on probably much longer than it needed to. And I would have probably cut this down a bit to give some more time to Jamie Hayter and Anna Jay. Um, but that being said, this has become shockingly one of the hottest programs in like the company. Uh, when when Men of the Year and Dan Lambert first joined up, everybody just kind of groaned at it because like they just felt like very miscast and there wasn't really chemistry there together. And and they've quickly like turned this around. Really, since like I want to say Arthur Ashe is when it really like clicked when Masvidal first showed up. And then we got the tag match with Dos Santos where I feel like it really hit its like its stride. And now we're like every week this is getting great reactions from people. And again, I criticized it, but I, I've really started enjoying this. Um, I feel like it's just fun. It's over the top, like raunchy at times, stupid comedy, but fun. What isn't fun is what Jake Hager says here. Jake Hager gets to choose the first person, and he chooses Junior Dos Santos, who, good pick, but he says that he looks like Popeye before doing Popeye's laugh. Ugh, 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 ugh. And he says that the inner circle will drop him quicker than his last fight, which was 71 seconds. Last line, perfectly fine. I did not need Jake Hager calling Junior Dos Santos Popeye before imitating Popeye's laugh. This was the most corny thing I've ever heard this man say. What the fuck? Uh, Santana then chooses Andre Orlovsky um, and says that uh, he hopes that the Pitbull thing isn't just uh, the the uh, his like pointy teeth mouth guard that he wears and asks or says that if you want something to bite bite this which got a really good reaction from the crowd uh, Lambert before they can choose the third member uh, who's going to be Jericho choosing Dan says that Jericho said some nasty shit about pa- Paige Van Sant when they were in Miami. And that Austin Vanderford, her husband, wants in the match. Paige then takes the mic and says there is uh, that sh- she's not going to have any man fight her battles for her. She says that there isn't an Instagram filter that can hide the beating she will give them. And says that with the tight pants that they all wear, she can tell they don't have the balls uh, to fight her. And that she could take all five of them on by herself. Jericho questions it and says, yeah, you could take us all, uh, all five of us by yourself. And says that it writes, uh, writes itself. And that she could put it on her OnlyFans. And then Ortiz calls her a bitch in Spanish. Jericho then announces that they have chosen Dan Lambert. So it will not be Austin Vanderford or Paige Van Sant. The match is now, unless it changes, <laughs> we're getting Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, Andre Orlovsky, Junior Dos Santos, and Dan Lambert versus the Inner Circle in a Minneapolis street fight at full gear. Um, yeah, I thought this segment, again, it was long, longer than it needed to be, but I thought Paige Van Sant really, um, got a chance to shine here. This was the first time we really got to hear her talk, um, and that's why I wanted to give this one props, because she sounded very comfortable. I didn't have any issues with how they treated her on the mic this week, because it wasn't just Jericho, like, slut-shaming her. She was the one, like, she got to hit her own comebacks. She set uh, Jericho up for the punchlines. It felt equal. It wasn't just her taking, like, a verbal lashing from someone. Um, and she's playing a heel, so it makes sense. Lambert being added makes a lot of sense to me. I'm sure some people will be upset with it, but it's it's it just makes a lot of sense that the inner circle would want to beat the shit out of him. Um, I would not be shocked if Jorge Masvidal shows up for a run-in. You never know. I don't think he's going to wrestle at this point, but 
Um, it, it, again, him showing up for the for the pay per view would make sense. Um, the match itself is probably going to be a messy like street fight, but I think that's probably for the best. Um, that kind of just makes sense for for what they're doing here. But the segment as a whole, I thought was fun. And again, I think Paige Van Sant fits really well in AEW right now. Um, and I'd like to see more of her. I still really want to see her versus Thunder Rosa. If Paige Van Sant can actually transition into wrestling, I think that would be a very fun program, personally. Backstage, we have Lee Moriarty with Matt Seidel and Dante Martin with Leo Rush. Uh, Seidel puts over Dante, saying that if he wants to train with Leo, that's perfectly fine. But he's now going to train Lee. Um, and he suggests that they have a tag match, and it's uh, accepted pretty much. So, yeah, looks like we're going to get Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin and Leo Rush, which should be really fun. This sent us into Jamie Hayter versus Anna Jay for the TBS Championship, uh, continuing the first round. Jamie has new hair, um, looking much more similar to what she had when she first showed up in AEW back in 2019. Uh, we had a lockup to start with Anna getting control early on. Uh, once we got into picture-in-picture, uh, picture, Jamie took control. Uh, once we came back from break, Anna hit a, a DDT, which JR said, man, she should really consider using that as her finish. Uh, Anna looks for the Queen Slayer. Jamie got out of it. Uh, eventually, Anna locked it on again. Rebel got up on the apron and distracted Anna. Britt grabbed uh, Anna's leg. Jamie nails Anna with the short-armed uh, Lariat and picked up the win. Uh, as Rebel and Brick got in the ring and joined Jamie in a beatdown on Anna until t- uh, Ty hit the ring to fight them off. Britt, Jamie, and Rebel then fought Ty off and got ready to curb stomp her onto the title uh, before Thunder Rosa came out to a monster reaction, as kind of uh, is expected now from any time Thunder Rosa shows up. Um, and yeah, that was that. Nothing special here, but I thought it was really awesome to see Jamie pick up a big win, which is something that she's kind of been needing. Um, she'll now be set to collide with Thunder Rosa in round two of the tournament. Uh, and Anna one, uh, also got screwed once again, um, which I'm assuming has to set something up for her in the future because she got screwed out of her match with Britt and got screwed in this match with Jamie. Um, so that just feels like eventually there's going to be a payoff to this one. Um, Ty vs. Britt, you know, uh, it, it's heated up. It sounds like the crowd's firmly behind this. Um Personally, I still think that we could uh, get some more promo time from both of these girls uh, to, to further this. Again, there's still three shows before the pay-per-view, and there's probably a road to and a countdown special. So uh, by the time we get to the pay-per-view, it'll be fine, but I just want to hear more from them. Um, and long-term, again, I still think it's pretty clear that Hater's eventually going to turn on Brit, and Thunder Rosa is still my pick to take the championship off, of, uh, championship off of Baker, so it's nice to see that all these things are currently tied together right now. Um, so yeah, uh, solid, solid enough. It, it didn't come anywhere close to, uh, to Sheeta versus Deeb from last week, but I, I don't think anybody was expecting that. Uh, we had a backstage promo from Mark Sterling and Jade saying that it doesn't matter who wins between Red Velvet and the Bunny on Rampage. Um, she plans on making quick work of either of them and renaming the championship the, uh, the That Bitch Show Championship. MJF is out next. <laughs> And as he's coming on down, Tony says that he has another name for TBS, and it's the Big Shithead, uh, which I audibly laughed at by myself here. Uh, Tony is just too funny sometimes. He addresses Darby, saying that when all of the new faces showed up, everyone was sweating bullets, but not MJF and not Darby. They're already top guys, and the fans already know that both of them will become legendary one day. So why do the fans boo him but cheer Darby? He would lose sleep over this, as he heard it every week. The fans cheering for Darby and not him. But of course they hate him because MJF reminds them of their successful bosses, exes, brothers, 
and that he reminds them of everything these people want to be. He calls Darby an incel, saying that he lives life with reckless abandon because deep down, Darby knows that he cannot be a functioning member of society because he will never fit in and he will never win. At full gear, Darby will lose to MJF because, just like the fans, he is weak. Darby will be too concerned with battering MJF instead of beating him. And one more thing. Let's just say that Darby manages to change his way for the pay-per-view, not charging in fast and, and headstrong, but decidingly uh, choosing to wrestle instead. MJF is still the better wrestler, and MJF breaks the mold of being great on the microphone and being a great in-ring wrestler, saying that those that came before him who were this good on the mic could never back it up in the ring. But MJF is better than you, and you know it. Darby then gets on the mic and says that he is an outcast, but he won't attack him with a skateboard at full gear. Instead, it will be a regular wrestling match. Tonight, Darby will let out his anger, and so he starts coming down to the ring as he's up in the stands. MJF goes to leave, but is cut off by Sting and a bunch of random people in Darby masks. Uh, or MJF masks. I couldn't really tell what the masks were, to be honest. Um, this army of people on the stage is then attacked by Wardlow and Spears as a brawl breaks out there. Darby makes his way to ringside, and there's a big brawl with him and MJF in the audience, and uh, crowd went wild. It was an MJF segment. These really are never not entertaining, and him against Darby has a lot of intrigue for me personally because I could see either man winning this feud. Um, both are captivating performers, and the audience is pretty much always fully engaged with both of them. And the segment highlighted that and, and pretty clearly based off their reactions. Um, and I'm also personally happy that it's looking like it's going to be a regular match. I, I'm not going to be surprised if there's interference from Sting and, and uh, Spears and Wardlow, but... The fact that it's not like a stipulation, it didn't need a stipulation, so I'm glad it's not. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Wardlow turns here or if they're going to keep waiting on that, but um, throughout this whole program, we've seen, not even this program, for, for quite a while now, we've just been seeing MJF consistently just like abandoning Wardlow and getting him hurt and stuff, so it's just interesting to me when they're going to pull the trigger on, the, on Wardlow turning on MJF. <clears throat> After this, we get Andrade versus Cody Rhodes. Um, Andrade out to what I would say is more cheers than I expected. Um, I feel like people have really started to come around on Andrade uh, for someone who was kind of getting, you know, put down when he first showed up in AEW for not being on the level that he claimed to be. <sighs> Excuse me. Uh, to start here, though, Andrade and Cody began trading blows. Uh, Cody got the advantage, and there was a mix of boos and cheers uh, to start this match for Cody. Uh, they go out onto the apron. Cody gets sent to the floor before dropping Andrade face first on the apron. That did not look fun. Um, both men got on top of the turnbuckle. Andrade ended up going for a crossbody, and Cody caught him with a drop kick before hitting a series of punches. Uh, Cody then went for the disaster kick, and Andrade pushed him over the top rope down to the floor, which went to commercial. Uh, back from commercial, and Cody got uh, was just in full control, and he was getting booed at this point. Uh, Cody then sets up for the pedigree again, but Andrade fights out and nails Cody with just a brutal-looking spinning elbow um, that Cody sold like death. Andrade then went for his uh, his corner like double knee strike, and Cody caught him with a clothesline before going for the crossroads. Andrade countered out of it into the three amigos with the third suplex into the turnbuckles. Uh, Andrade then nailed his double knees uh, for a two count. He goes for a split-leg moonsault that looked really nice, but Cody dodged it. 
Um, he starts hitting Andrade with jabs, which got a bunch of boos. And then he hit the bionic elbow, which got cheers at first, but then boos started coming down. Very interesting on that one. Cody went for the figure four, but Andrade countered and put his own figure four in. Cody reverses it, um, but Andrade got to the ropes and falls out to the floor. Jose stopped Cody from doing a dive, and then Cody goes for the dive, and FTR nail Cody as he's coming out of the ropes with the AAA tag titles from under the ring. Andrade slides in and hit his, uh, his hammerlock DDT and pins Cody. Very interesting finish, but I, uh, I thought the match ended up being really fun. Cody, again, really consistently delivers in his matches, and Andrade's really just turned it on since his two matches with, pa- uh, with Pac. Um, I was I, I thought it was nice to see a bit of uh, continuity here and that FTR wasn't just aligned with uh, Andrade for one week. Um, obviously, Andrade got them their title match for uh, the AAA tag titles against the Lucha Brothers, who are partners with Pac. And there's a lot going on here. So... And Andrade helped them get the the, ta- the AAA tag title with Pac, or not with Pac, with the Lucha Brothers, um, because of his issues with Death Triangle, and he's had two singles matches with Pac at this point, um, and so FTR came back here and helped him um, get a win, basically, over Cody, you can say repaying his debt. So uh, there's a lot of layers going on here with the whole Andrade, Malachi, FTR is somewhat involved in this, and then Cody and Pac. Um, so there's <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, uh, the Lucha Brothers eventually came on out here, and there was a big brawl with them and FTR. Um, and there was a standoff between Tully and Arn, but uh, officially Lucha Brothers versus FTR for the uh, AEW World Tag Team Championships is set for full gear. That should be very, very fun. Uh, after the next commercial break, Tony Schiavone's in the ring with John Silver for a promo, and he says that uh, to- Tony hopes that he kicks Adam Cole's you-know-what, but Silver says that this Friday it ain't going to be Silver versus Cole. It's going to be Silver versus Budge, and the crowd does it with him. He says that Cole should listen to his advice of cutting his hair and becoming Dark Order's manager, and this Friday Budge is going to get the meat man, and then John Silver proceeds to flex. Uh, I'm very happy that John Silver's getting a, like a, a high-profile singles match. The dude is very, very talented in the ring, and the fans love him. Um, so yeah, uh, Friday's card for Rampage was announced. Eddie Kingston and CM Punk are going to have a face-to-face. Red Velvet versus The Bunny and Adam Cole versus John Silver. So only two matches. I'm guessing they're expecting Punk and uh, Kingston to be a, like a longer segment, unless they announce a third match. But that's that's all that they announced for Rampage. And they didn't announce anything for Dynamite next week, which is pretty rare for AEW. They said, if you want to hear what's going to happen on Dynamite next week, tune into Rampage. So, very interesting. Normally, they announce at least, like, one or two things for Dynamite. But, uh, yeah. Orange Cassidy versus... Oh, wait, no, I think they did announce one thing. I, f- I think... Did... You know what? Now I'm struggling. I feel like... I don't know if Chris versus Ruby is next week. I don't know if they actually gave a date for that one. That would make the most sense, though, because they had a video package for it. But I don't recall them showing a graphic, so I don't know. That could be next week. It could not. Don't quote me. But at the end of the show, I don't remember them going over it. Um, anywho, main event time. The AEW World Eliminator, uh, World Title Eliminator uh, semifinal matchup. Orange Cassidy versus Miro. Danielson comes out. He joins commentary. They also show Matt Hardy at ringside. I honestly forgot that him and Orange Cassidy were still technically feuding. There was no blow-off. The last we got of that was the hair-versus-hair match between Cassidy and Jack Evans. Um, 
Orange Cassidy and Miro are both bandaged, uh, bandaged up with Miro's leg bandage and uh, Cassidy's lower back bandaged up. Uh, Miro immediately goes after Orange Cassidy, who uh, just outspeeds him and basically just runs circles around him here. Uh, very over-the-top, very nonchalant, just like running into the different corners, jumping over the, the rope and heading to the floor and then hitting his pocket pose. Um, we get a... Miro comes back... Or, sorry, Orange Cassidy comes back in the ring and goes for a suicide dive. Miro catches him and suplexes him on the floor uh, before going to commercial. When we come back, Miro's taken over and it, Orange Cassidy just, like, laying limp in the ring. Eventually, Cassidy fires up just unloading elbows and screaming at Miro. He lands a drop kick and follows it up with a DDT for a big two count. Cassidy goes for the orange punch. Miro slides to the floor. Um, he heads to the timekeeper's area, and Orange dives over the top turnbuckle, putting both of them through the table. That was absolutely, like, nuts. You know, it's something you don't really see from Orange Cassidy. Um, Cassidy slides back into the ring, and Miro... This was probably the closest <laughs> I've ever seen to getting, like, a count out. Miro waited until Bryce was about to say 10. I honestly thought we were getting a count out here, because at this point, it was, like, 9.58... When, uh, when this happened, I thought we were going to get a count out, um, but we didn't. Uh, Miro gets back in. Um, Orange Cassidy goes for, I think, the orange punch. Miro catches him, but Orange gets to nails him with the beach break, gets a two count. Miro just powers through and just, like, body blocks Orange Cassidy and sends him flying and then just kills him with a kick before locking in the game over. And Orange Cassidy immediately taps out. Which means Miro versus Brian Danielson is happening at full gear for an AEW World Championship opportunity. Whew! <laughs> oh my god, that's going to be wild. Um, obviously, uh, Moxley versus Danielson would have been really good. But man, like, whew, I like... Miro's been on an absolute tear, and Danielson's been on an absolute tear. This is a, a fresh matchup. I'm very excited for this. And I feel like this also adds a bit more intrigue for me personally as, like, all right, like Danielson. Danielson's a guy who can take a loss. I don't care what anybody says. If he loses, it's not going to hurt him. He's, he's fucking Brian Danielson. But Miro losing, I don't think, also hurts him at this point, especially to someone like Brian. And they already have the leg injury set up, so, you know, and, and Brian has even noted on commentary his uh, his weak neck, so they, they have situations where they can go with this, with Brian winning and not hurting Miro, but again, I think everybody expects Hangman Page to win the title at the pay-per-view, so who do you want him to face? Do you want him to face Danielson, or do you want him to face Miro? I don't know. I really don't know. Um... There are people in the camp that want Hangman Page to have a short title reign. And a lot of them wanted MJF to be the one to take it off of him. I think that's an option. But I feel like if you're going to do it, Miro makes more sense uh, from just like how he's booked currently. Um, that being said, I personally don't think Page needs to have a super short reign or anything. Anyways, Dynamite. I'd give it a thumbs up. I thought this was... Um, this wasn't like... The best show, but there was nothing on the show I didn't really like. Uh, even the match that was filled with botches with Aerostar, it still ended up being fun. Um, just sloppy. But from top to bottom, it was still an enjoyable show. Um, again, weakest moment for me would 100% be the, the AAA tag title match. Highest thing would be... Honestly, either the last two matches. Um, Cody versus Andrade I thought was really, really good. And I thought Orange, Cass uh, Orange Cassidy and Miro for an 8-minute match... 
was phenomenal. Um, I actually enjoyed the Inner Circle and um, American Top Team segment. I, I was happy to hear more Dan Lambert. I think he's very enjoyable on the mic. Uh, I thought Paige Van Sant was great. I thought Jake Hager sounded like an absolute goofball. Um, and the opener with Orange, uh, well, not Orange Cassidy, with Alan Angels and Kenny Omega was also really, really solid um, for a match that, again, was announced today. Uh, I thought the handling of the John Moxley situation was was very well done. Punk got a really good promo. Uh, the only thing I wish that we got was, again, Jamie Hayter and Anna Jay getting a little more time. Um, but for what they did, I thought it was still good. So I'd give it a thumbs up. Um, again, no real actual complaints from me. I can't seem to find um, if they announced anything for next week's Dynamite. Um, I'm looking on Twitter, and I looked on Google... I couldn't find anything. Um, EW Dynamite next week. Because I'm pretty sure that they, they said that you have to tune in to Rampage to see what uh, what they're doing. So, um, yeah. I guess uh, I guess just tune in to, uh, to Rampage this uh, this Friday night. And, uh, and, and you'll find out what's happening on Dynamite next week. Anyways, thank you for joining me for the solo edition of our weekly AEW reviews here at the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing. It's free. It doesn't hurt anybody, and you help us out. If you're on Apple, consider leaving a review. Um, follow us over on Twitter, at Deep Six Wrestling without the G. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Any of the links you need are down below. And be sure to check back in later this weekend for uh, coverage of Impact Wrestling from Ryan and Angelo. Um, although it might just be riding this week because I believe Angela's on vacation. We might have a review out for Power Struggle from New Japan, which is this weekend, which actually has a pretty stacked lineup that, um, yeah, we got a little more time here. Why not just go over the card? Um, and then, uh, next week is going to be the big week for us with a, a bunch of podcasts that I'll go over in a second here. Um, we're going to have Raw on Monday. We're going to have Dynamite on Wednesday. We're going to have Impact coverage probably. I feel like that's going to end up happening on Friday maybe. I don't I don't know. But we're also going to have a prediction show preview rundown for Full Gear. And then a review for Full Gear on Saturday uh, next week. So uh, lots, lots going on over there. Um, so the Power Struggle card, uh, this is on November 6th. Um, and it's headlined by Shingo Takage defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, we have Kazuchika Okada defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, uh, like his contract for winning the G1, which is just the V4 edition of the IWGP Championship, uh, against Tama Tonga. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi is defending the IWGP uh, United States Heavyweight Championship against Kenta. Robbie Eagles is defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against El Desperado. Toriano is defending the KOPW 2021 against the Great Okan in an amateur, uh, amateur wrestling match. Uh, Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and uh, Hiroki Goto are defending the Never Openweight Six Man Belts against Sho, Evil, and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, and... I, all I want to say on this one is I can't believe that I think Yujiro is more entertaining than Evil, but here we are. 
Master Wado, Yuji Nagata, and Taguchi take on Sonata, Hiromu, and Bushi. Uh, Tiger Mask, Hanma, and Makabe are facing off against Tangaloa, Jado, and Gato. And uh, Oiwa and Fujita are taking on Yoshinobu, Kanemaru, and Doki. So that is the Power Struggle card. Actually looks pretty good. Um, the first, Obviously, I'd say like the first two match. You know what? No. The Young Lions, I actually really like Oiwa and Fujita. Um, so that's okay. Uh, I don't have any good things to say about Tongaloa, Jado, Gato versus Magabe, Hanma, and Tiger Mask. That's a skippable match if I've ever seen one. Uh, Wado teaming with Nagata and Taguchi against LIJ is a match. Um, that's another one that feels skippable. The six-man titles have actually had some really good matches over the last year, so... I will I will keep an eye peeled for this, this one at Power Struggle. Evil is not good in this current state. But Sho, I've actually enjoyed what I've seen from him in this new heel character. And Yujiro's coming off of a, a decently enjoyable G1 for him. And Yoshihashi, Ishii, and Goto, they're all great. So uh, this could be a fun six-man match. We'll see. Um, Yano and Great Okan kill me. Uh, Eagles versus Desperado should be really good. Uh, Kenton Tanahashi should be really good. Tamatanga and Okada should actually be pretty good. And then Shingo and Zack Sabre Jr. should be a potential match of the year candidate. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a card worth watching. Um, so, so, again, we might have a review out for it this weekend. No promises, but uh, I would like to. So if I can get around to it, I will. Um, but, yeah, so thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, again, these solo shows are always hard to do. Uh if you notice any awkward breaks uh, or where it sounds like audio quality changes, it was me drinking some water in between takes. So uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy some wrestling. Go see some movies. Uh, just do whatever you're doing. So adios and thanks for listening.